Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 96. I am Steve Heinrich, your host, and this is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, December 11th, and released on Thursday, December 12th, 2019. You can visit pixelswim.com for all of the show notes and social links if you want to follow along or leave any feedback. It's always appreciated. So the biggest thing about this episode is that you have an interview or chat with uh, Tom Stewart, who has been on the show a few times. Uh, It's been a while since I've had a guest, but I'll be dropping the interview with Tom in after I go through a few notes here. And uh, that'll be a bulk of the podcast because we talked for, for... Quite a, quite a while. So uh, either way, let's uh, dive into our weekly feedback notes and links. So feedback from episode 95. Thank you to Frank Needhart who left feedback on MeWe. Uh, he says, I wonder why you insist on setting up your Plex server on a mini PC with external drives. There was a reason you had your laptop, but now uh, he says, I would, I rather would buy a mini tower and put all the hard drives inside. That's uh, That said, the ThinkCenter mini are very good. We have some of them at work. And he also says, I have a dbrand Dragon Redskin for my iPhone. Not only does it look great, it adds the right amount of grip without making the phone phone bulky. So, yeah, thanks, uh, Frank, for reaching out. I did respond to him about the server. I said that my the main reason for wanting a mini PC is that, for me specifically, it's more ideal as far as size goes. I don't have a ton of space around where my router is located, and I wanted to connect the Ethernet cable directly from the PC into the router rather than use Wi-Fi. Uh, it's still pretty compact, even with an external drive connected. Also, I was able to use the laptop stand that I was using before. So yeah, uh, as far as the, the mini PC, that's why I don't have a ton of room for a, a full tower or even a mini tower. This one's uh, this mini PC works really well. If you go on to MiWi, I posted a picture of the mini PC next to the router. They're, they're pretty similar in size, so it's a very small uh, footprint, uh, and it does, you know, just enough. So uh, thanks, Frank. And then I also, as far as the dbrand goes, uh, dbrand skin, I said, I'm looking forward to getting the dbrand skin for the X4. The one concern about the X4 version is that it doesn't wrap around the sides of the phone, so I'm not sure if the grip will be as good as the iPhone version. Uh, we'll see. So yeah, the iPhone version that Frank uh, kindly posted a picture of, uh, I've, and I saw on dbrand's website, wraps around the sides of the device as well. Uh, the dbrand skin for the Moto X4 does not, so the metal frame of the phone is still exposed. Uh, so it potentially could be slippery. Uh, and I actually did get the dbrand skin in, uh, but uh, I haven't applied it yet, so uh, I have to report back uh, in the future for that. And then also thank you to Kyle Helms who reached out via Twitter after the last episode with uh, a few uh, comments about the episode. Mainly he said you can use the Plex server remotely without a premium account. And he said he went through a, an explanation about how he, a relative of his, was wanting to watch a movie on his Plex server and they were able to do it remotely. I did check on this real quick. Uh, turns out that it didn't uh, uh, work for me. It still said that on my mobile device on um, the cellular network, so I wasn't connected to my home network, it said that I needed the upgraded premium version. Otherwise, I could only watch a few minutes of the video. So, uh, yeah, so definitely still need the premium, I think. Uh, so further investigation is needed, but... Uh, yeah, we'll keep trying things out, but thanks, Kyle, for reaching out there. All right, so that's all the feedback from last week. Thank you, everybody. Uh, head over to pixelswim.com if you want to leave any more. So with that said, 
I'm actually going to skip over the LG G6 weekly report because it would probably be the saddest one yet. I'm still on the Moto X4. That's it. That's all there is to it. So, uh, yeah, this will be the first week without the G6 weekly report in a long time. I'm going to wrap that one up. Uh, sometime before year's end, we will have the final LG G6 weekly report. So, anywho. Alright, just a quick note that my new phone search that I've been going over the past month or so uh, has kind of turned, uh, I've kind of turned it into a broken phone search. Uh, yeah, the looking for a new device hasn't been very fun, uh, so I've kind of started looking at broken phones. Uh, and here's where the spoiler comes in, not spoiler, but the last week I mentioned I bought a phone for $30 and I said I would save that story for this week, so this week I actually... Uh, will say that I did order a first-generation Google Pixel uh, for $30 on eBay. Uh, the big catch is that it does not power on, uh, and I bought it to try and fix it. So it's a 128-gigabyte version, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I've been wanting to get into fixing more. Uh, in this case, I... Uh, you know, I'll have a lot of troubleshooting to do. So, but I talk about that a little bit more in my chat with Tom that I'm going to drop in here shortly. So, yeah, I'm trying to go down the road of, you know, fixing up a cheap device just to see how I like doing it because I've gotten, you know, some good, uh, some good positive uh, feelings, I guess you could say, uh, fixing up devices. So, even more so than using them. So, but either way, that's all my notes for this week. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap that up. So now I am going to drop in the, the chat that I had with Tom Seward. Enjoy. All right, so I'm sitting down today, as uh, mentioned in the first part of the show, with uh, Tom Stewart. Who, uh, hi, Tom. <laughs> hi there, Steve. Hi, everybody. Uh, hi. hi. Uh, can you just remind everybody real quick, uh, where you are in the world, what you do for a living, or and uh, about how old you are. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm in South Wales in the United Kingdom, uh, almost beside beside the sea. Um, left Scotland many years ago, worked my way down to Wales through England, and I'm I'm 64, but I'm still working. But I work from home, which is great if you want to keep your uh, phones well charged. <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I'm at home pretty much uh, all day, every day, most of the time. So, uh, yeah, so I have a few topics I'm going to go over with Tom here and uh, kind of get his reaction because I think I'm I'm recording this before the actual episode. So uh, these are some of the things I'll be talking about before I drop in this interview. So uh, I did set up my new Lenovo Mini PC as a Plex server. I got that all set up and uh, pretty straightforward stuff uh, considering I already had already set it up in the past, but uh, Plex is, it's been working well. It's actually the the PC I got again was the, it had pretty decent specs on it. Granted, it's a few years old, but uh, seems to be running uh, Plex fairly well. Uh, do you have any sort of at-home entertainment setup uh, for this type of thing? I, I know not a lot of people probably rip their huge DVD collections or even have DVD collections. but Well, not, not really. I did, in fact, have to Google what a Plex server was because it's not something that I'm awfully familiar with. Um, I have ripped a few DVDs in the past, and what I've tended to do is just 
just to put them up to OneDrive so that I can access it anywhere I've got internet connection. But I do have dozens, uh, you know, the family have dozens of DVDs in boxes that we hardly ever look at nowadays because the world's moved on to streaming with Netflix and Amazon Prime Video. So I'd be interesting to, to hear, you know, what, uh, what the advantage is of what you're doing, Steve. Yeah, uh, we had a pretty big uh, collection of DVDs, over two hundred or so, um, and it's taken up a lot of a lot of space, a whole you know a whole shelf. Uh, so we were trying to condense everything down, and I figured uh, it was kind of an undertaking to rip all of the DVDs, uh, but uh, I was able to just sort of. I had a second laptop that I had set up and just, uh, you know, throughout the day would rip, rip a DVD an hour kind of a thing and uh, got those all kind of onto an external hard drive. And basically the advantage of Plex, and I can see doing it via OneDrive, like you're saying, is, uh, you know, it's probably a decent way to do it. Uh, Plex does offer sort of, you know, they're, it's made for, for streaming uh, locally on your own network, as well as, you know, over the internet uh, to any connected device, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, over the internet requires a premium version. But uh, uh, at home, uh, it, and also, I'm trying to get my thoughts straight. Uh, the one main thing I think about it that I like the most is that it pulls in all of the uh, metadata for the the files. Uh, so essentially, when you add, say, a hard drive to your Plex server, which is just a simple software that can, you know, continuously runs on a PC, Hmm. or uh, I think it's available on Linux and Mac as well. But um, when you add that hard drive to your Plex server setup, it basically, based on the file name, will go and grab all of the metadata information. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when you, uh, if you access the Plex app on whichever device you're using, I use it mostly on a Roku, you kind of have a nice interface of you know, a Netflix type interface with all of the, your films and, and all the data and, and, you know, suggestions and history and mm. uh, stuff like that. So you can pick up where you, you know, where you were last playing, you can, you know, make suggestions for other movies and stuff like that. And it's just a nice thing to have set up, you know, as a with an extra PC and uh, really, it, it's honestly the best solution that I found. I did try briefly a few other uh, similar type uh, media server software, but uh, it uh, Plex is by far the most actively developed, and they kind of have their they kind of have their uh, their game together yep. as far as it goes. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it's like I said, it's a it's a bit of a project if you have a lot of DVDs sitting around. Uh, if you wanted to do that, but the one issue I actually ran into with this is uh, at least over here in my area in the U.S. I have all about 200 empty DVD cases now. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, because I condensed all of the DVDs down into some booklet or some, you know, uh, CD books yes. and uh, to kind of get rid of the, the cases. But the cases now apparently cannot be recycled uh, by normal means. Uh, so I have been trying to find a way that isn't the landfill. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so that's kind of the. I mean, if you're, it's something to think about if you have a big collection. Uh, if you, if you want to, you know, if you have this, the room to store the the cases, you know, as a backup, that's one thing. Mm. But we were, you know, trying to eliminate that. So, yeah, at Plex overall, and Plex actually just, uh, they actually just added on a feature where they have uh, free uh, movies and TV episodes as well, kind of streaming from the cloud. Okay. Uh, and uh, 
yeah, then I guess that's worldwide too. So it's not a localized. So that that's uh, kind of nice. They keep adding things. Uh, you can actually manage your podcast through Plex and, you know, kind of have a, a streamlined uh, syncing service and stuff like that. And you can put your music on there as well. And yeah, I think I've talked enough about Plex. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of good things. No, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It, um, I recently, we'll probably come on to it, but I recently uh, bought a new iPhone and I was surprised that I'd inherited a, a year's free subscription to the Apple TV Plus service. So uh, got even more streaming options now, and uh, some of that's quite good. Yeah, and uh, I've actually looked at the Apple TV thing now that I have uh, an iPhone success in my possession, mm. which I still need to dig into a little bit more. But uh, I do see the ads, uh, advertisements on TV for some of the Apple shows that seem uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. Curious. That's, that's uh, right. Well, getting curious enough. Yeah. yeah. My wife and I are uh, quite absorbed with uh, the morning show, uh, which is one okay. of the yeah, one yeah. Of the I've heard good things. Yes, about that. it really is. You get you do get into it, and it is it's really well uh, well done. Yeah, I think there's a show uh, by M Night Shyamalan on there now as well. Uh, I forget what it's called, uh, but either way, it, that's the one that kind of intrigued mm-hmm. me most recently. But. Uh, yeah, more to come on that, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll probably dig into that at some point. I don't watch a ton, you know, of TV, yeah. but uh, it's intriguing, unless it's intriguing like that. But uh, so, yeah, I got my, my Plex server all set up. Uh, just, uh, and I've already probably mentioned this again in the first part of the show. Uh, my second point here is that I did purchase a 128 gigabyte uh, first generation Google Pixel. Uh, and I got it for $30. Yeah, so I got the for, for $30. And but the the huge catch was that it does not power on. <laughs> so I was just kind of scouring eBay. Yes. Uh, and, and uh, you know, came across this $30 pixel. What's the deal? You know, and so I uh, dug into it a little bit more. Uh, the place that does it or was selling it, uh, they seemed like they do kind of refurbish devices. But this one they, you know, they put up as <laughs> sold as is no returns. And uh that basically they couldn't run any of their tests because it doesn't power on. But I've actually been kind of, uh, uh, you know, I fixed my my LG G6 in the past. Mm-hmm. I fixed other devices in the past, and actually, can you know, been trying to get into that more because I do find it uh, pretty fun and satisfying to to do that sort of thing. So that's uh, part of the reason uh, that I got this one. Was not only was it you know a uh, Google Pixel, which I've never tried or really had much hands-on with, but uh, it was also only $30, so I figured $30 is a good, cheap way in to sure. trying to troubleshoot and maybe fix fix up a, a device, especially a 128-gigabyte version. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully I can uh, get uh, that up and running. So I actually already, as of this, <laughs> as we're recording now, I've already uh, kind of started troubleshooting it and taking it apart, so I completely tore it down. Um, the uh last night and uh pulled, unfortunately bro- broke the screen oh <laughs> uh, but yeah so it's 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 kind of a sticking point on the the pixel for repair on this original one mm. uh the screen is very not very easy to get off and that's the only way in uh and so uh luckily there was there's some fairly affordable options to you know kind of replace that so yeah. i can continue <laughs> troubleshooting because yeah it just didn't power on at all when i got it so a, c- a couple of things come to mind i did have uh, one of the original generation pixels and mm-hmm. the reason i got hold of it was because 
Um, I think it's only the original generation that give you full-size uh, uploads uh, of, of your photos uh, to Google Photos. Oh, right, right. Without, without limitation. The, the, the recent right, generations right. don't give that unlimited time period on it. Uh, so that was oh, okay. that was the reason I got it, but I didn't keep it very long, and uh, I can only assume I just got bored of it, you know, Steve, because I can't remember the 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 reason really that I, I moved it on. Um, but talking about repairing things, I heard in your previous podcasts about uh, replacing batteries on an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, well, I attempted that, <laughs> and uh, and accidentally scraped the battery with a screwdriver and it went up in flames in my hand oh my god whoa <laughs> so uh, yeah so i do appreciate warnings about batteries they are potentially you know bombs fire bombs fortunately um, you know i managed to, to get the fire out fairly quickly before anybody uh, discovered it yeah, um, my goodness. and then then when i tried to put in the new battery it wasn't quite right and when I tried to take the screws out these tiny tiny little screws yes, yes. I think I'd already mangled the heads of the screws and so I couldn't extract the screws so that was just a, a lost cause that one yeah. and uh, hence yeah, the reason that I've got mis- <laughs> I've got a new iPhone uh, a couple of weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. It, uh, I've, I maybe it was just the the success that I had that I was replacing the battery, and that uh, I think the adhesive because this phone had been I'm I'm just guessing had been sitting around for quite a while. Uh, so yeah. I think the adhesive and everything was kind of already uh, giving way uh, a little bit, and so it was a, mm. you know, a little bit easier to get in and out. But uh, mm. uh, did you did you get a kit for that with all the tools yes, and everything? Uh, uh, absolutely, I got the kit from Amazon with the battery and the various picks and the correct headed uh, screwdrivers and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, but but I, I found the, the, the screws so tiny, and I think they were black as well, which made it difficult to, yeah, to yeah. see in, in normal light. And I'm not much of a DIY person. I did follow YouTube ah. instructions and, you know, w- w- was almost getting there, but not quite, and uh, ended up having to abandon the project. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, they does they, they uh, do they still offer the the iPhone battery replacement through Apple uh, at yeah. a decent price anyway? But you see, I'm a Scotsman, and uh, Sc- right. Scotsmen are always tight with the money. So <laughs> if, if if I could find a cheaper way of trying to do it, I will do. But on this occasion, it uh, it, it it didn't work. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's too bad. Well, I'm glad you got a, a new final iPhone anyway. What uh, With the old iPhone, what did you do with that one then? The one that you well, couldn't uh, replace? It, it's sitting in the cupboard. Um, ah, okay. Um, I say I can't get the screws out. Maybe if I take it to a repair shop, they will be able to do it. Um, but as I say, I've moved on to a, a newer model, not a new, not a current series iPhone, but a newer model. And uh, I'll keep that one as a, as a, you know, a spare, I think. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So the one last point that I have here before we move on to uh, Tom's stuff here is that uh, Windows 10 Mobile reached the uh, official end of (laughs) system update support uh, yesterday, I think it was. And so, uh, yeah, any, I I know you have a lot of uh, Lumias in your uh, phone history. 
I, I think there was one, uh, there was a 650 in there somewhere. Uh, and uh, did you have many other one other Lumias that were on Windows 10 Mobile, or were they mostly uh, 8.1? I've got a couple of the, the 1020s, the great camera one. They're still on 8.1. I did try to bring them on to, uh, you know, the, the latest Windows 10 mobile, but it, it wasn't looking successful, and I managed to recover it to 8.1 before I did uh, irretrievable damage to it. Um, but I do I do have a 650 currently, and I do have a 930 and they're okay. both on the, the, the 1709 build, and I did update them uh, yesterday as a yeah. kind of last farewell. Yeah, and, I think uh, everybody yeah. <laughs> pulled yeah. out their, their old Lumias yesterday. Yeah, They had a lot of good points. Usually the hardware was pretty good, came with good cameras on some of the models, and um, you either loved the, the live tiles interface or not. I, I did enjoy it and uh, sad to, to see that option going. So I'll just keep them and I'll charge them occasionally and take them out and maybe use the 1020 for little camera uh, projects and uh, just, just keep these four uh, handsets as uh, a sort of nostalgic collector's items. Yeah, for sure. I've got, uh, I was surprised because I kind of pulled out all of my devices the other day and found uh, six Lumia devices in there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, yeah, it's kind of sad to see the support end. Uh, not, you know, obviously the, the phone, the at least Windows 10 mobile stuff will go on for a little bit longer, uh, but who knows how much longer all the third-party app developers are going to, you know, keep supporting, mm-hmm. uh, keep supporting the platform. But uh, yeah, it was uh, sad to see it go uh, as far as the uh, support goes. But uh, yeah, who, here's to hoping Microsoft can come out with, you know, sort of develop their mobile strategy a little bit better with the, the, the Duo or the Neo. I forget which one's the phone, <laughs> the phone version. Did you have any interest in, in that announcement when they came out with those? Uh, not at the moment. Once once something materializes, um, then uh, no doubt I will I will be interested. This, these are the ones that are running going to be running on Android, is it? Yeah, yeah, the Android, yeah. Uh, or at least yeah. the the uh, phone uh, quote unquote phone version. Well, I believe the bigger tablet one mm. will actually run some oh, sort of Windows. Windows Ten. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, a shame they missed. It's a shame they missed the boat, considering all the resources that they could have put yeah. behind it to get the developers on board and get the apps, so that there wasn't that uh, major deficiency. But uh, there we go. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it was always one of my. <laughs> it still is kind of one of my favorite uh, OSs on a phone. So, all right, uh, let's dive into your stuff. I think the reason you reached out to me. Uh, and the reason that we're chatting is because you recently went on another trip. And usually it's that uh, when you go on a trip, you, uh, you've reached out a couple of times to kind of talk about your your mobile devices and your strategy and stuff that you've done on that trip. So why don't you take us through uh, where you went and uh, kind of what you brought with you? Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, no, normally when we take a trip, because we're in the UK, we just go over the short journey to Europe. Uh, there's plenty of choice of varied, interesting places to go there. And uh, while we're still in the EU, uh, usually it's quite a painless experience taking your mobile phone uh, to uh, continental Europe because you get 
generally the same allowance over there for calls and texts and data as you do in the UK with little or no extra cost. You know, in recent years, that's changed quite dramatically because it used to be very expensive to use it over there, but they've kind of uh, virtual, virtually removed, you know, pricing uh, difference. Um, but this time we took a family holiday last week to uh, California. And of course, it's not not yet in the EU, so uh, different <laughs> rules different rules apply um, for those of you those of us in the UK taking our phones there. And okay. uh, I took a couple of phones, one on the EE network, which is a, is probably the the major one here in the UK. Certainly, where I live in South Wales, it has the best coverage and the fastest download speeds. Uh, and I took another phone on the three network which offer unlimited data contracts. But the coverage, certainly in my part of the world, is, is not as good. Um, ironically, though, the 3 network give you roaming in the United States the same as roaming in France or Spain. So okay. I, I automatically had, you know, minutes and texts and I think up to 15, 12 to 15, 12 gigabyte, I think it was, 12 gigabyte of data should I needed to have used that. Right. Um, well, on yeah, the EE network, good, yeah. it is pretty good. Yeah, and on the EE network, I paid a tenner, and that gave me, you know, it really actually gave me a month's minutes and texts and up to fifteen gigabyte of data. So that was useful to have. So between the two phones, you know, I had my options kept open. Uh, coverage was a uh, bit patchy round. Uh, it was Los Angeles. We spent the weekend. And uh, although it's in a basin, you know, there are hills round and about. Mm -hmm. And so the coverage was a little bit patchy. It certainly wasn't as good as uh, as back at home. But, uh, you know, it, it worked and uh, had no, no issues when we needed it uh, and the connection. Uh, it was fine. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the I'm always <laughs> I'm always blown away a little bit when I hear any uh, UK uh, cellular plans because I feel like they are uh, way better than the the options that we we have over here in the U.S. And I don't know if that's an infrastructure issue or something to that effect because uh, I, I feel like uh, getting so much data uh, for for so cheap is. Uh, is it's kind of an, a unique concept, I guess, over here in the U.S. Yeah, to because usually if you're paying cheap, usually you're getting one or two gigabytes of data, you know, and mm. and that's about mm. it. So, like I said, I don't know if, if that's a uh, an infrastructure thing because the U.S. you know the land the land mass yeah, and all it, that. Stuff. I mean, it could be we we are very densely packed on a relatively small island that could drop into one of your states uh, right, and be right. swallowed up by by yeah. some of them, couldn't it? So. Yeah. It's it's obviously easier to cover with masts and connections uh, in, in the UK. But on the other hand, we hear about your deals on handsets over there and, and huge discounts uh, at uh, Black Friday type. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you purchase Unlocked, usually you can get a deal. But really not much uh, has changed as far as the carriers go and the handsets. Mm. Uh, mm, because everything's mm. basically just financed now, and so everybody yeah, just yeah. pays, you know, fifty dollars or twenty dollars a month, depending on the device, the kind of a thing. Mm. Uh, so it's not really any different than it used to be as far as how much you pay, uh, because it used to be the plans were very high and the phones were cheap. Yep. 
Yep. And uh, now the phones are full price, just financed, and the plans are slowly dropping down. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a trick of marketing, honestly. Uh, yeah, they yeah they've uh, they've done a good job though with it. The, the the last time I was in the states, which was seven and a half years ago, uh, I looked back and it was a Nokia N8 uh, yeah, yeah, that I used. <laughs> you know, and that seems yeah. such an old phone. It had a three and a half inch screen. Which uh, you know at the time wasn't very large, really, because yeah. the the galaxies were coming out with some nice big screens. But it, it had loads of functionality and a terrific camera. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, um, it's crazy how far we've uh, come just since then, uh, as far as as, as the uh, the quality of the the hardware. Not that the N8 wasn't. Uh, I don't think I ever actually used the N8. Uh, I don't know if it was widely available over here, but uh, no, no. All right, so you said you also brought uh, an Apple Watch with you uh, to use in the U.S. Yes, I've I've had I uh, had the Apple Watch original series um, for a year or two, and was so impressed with it that uh, during the summer, I think it was, I upgraded to the series four, so the one just before the most recent release. Uh, you know, it's got a bigger screen and it's got an app store connected to it on the latest. Uh, watch OS six, and I, and I love I love the Apple Watch. Um, it virtually means I can go out of the house with with no phone, just have the watch. It's got cellular. Uh, I got a pair of uh, Beats X uh, Bluetooth earphones, so if I do receive a call on the watch, you know I'm not talking to the watch, <laughs> and. Right, right. and People, people are not hearing conversation through the watch's speaker. So uh, it gives you a lot of flexibility. And it's got loads of health monitoring things, uh, which uh, are really useful. Um, but unfortunately, the, 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 the cellular watch doesn't roam. So when, uh, when you go to, to the EU or come to the States, you can't independently just work with a watch. It has to be piggybacking on your iPhone. So okay. you don't have quite the same freedom. And uh, fair enough, you know, you just stick the iPhone in the pocket and uh, and just carry on, really. But yeah, I love the watch. It, uh, it's got such, you know, great functionality and uh, it does everything I want it to do. Um, the iPhone I brought with me was uh, uh, an iPhone 8. Okay. I, I had a, a data, sorry, I had a, a cell phone contract, a network contract, a SIM only. That's what I'm trying to say. I had a SIM only uh, deal with EE and they they always try and encourage you to upgrade. And I looked and for for similar money, I could go from SIM only to having um, an iPhone 8 uh, and a bit less data because I find I, I don't do more than twenty gigabytes of data a month ever, and I was okay. paying for a I was paying for a one hundred gigabyte a month deal, so I was able to get the hardware of the Apple with uh, the iPhone eight and have thirty gigabytes of data, which will still be comfortably plenty. Yeah, and right, so right. I, I picked up a you know a, a pretty new uh, uh, iPhone. And and the big difference, of course, is the battery. <laughs> when yeah, when yeah. you buy when you buy as you found when you buy secondhand iPhones, uh, the battery dies on you very quickly. Right, and yeah. I got I got fed up of that. So it's wonderful to have something that says battery health one hundred percent on an iPhone. And <laughs> yeah. uh, 
you know, I can go with confidence that it's that it's going to last me uh, the whole day. The other the other phone I brought with me. Um, so the main reason of having the iPhone was to work the Apple Watch, really. Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, I've got a Galaxy Note Nine that I bought in January, and uh, that that's the main phone. Uh, it's such a beast, you know. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, I've had it nearly a year, and uh, you know I can't see any reason to move away from it. It's got six point four inch screen, uh, relatively uh, very acceptably small bezel, no notches. It's dual SIM, which I've used from time to time. It's got five hundred and twelve gigabytes of onboard storage plus SD card uh, slot. It's got the three point five millimeter jack. Um, it is an absolute beast and so that's i use that for navigation all the time on the freeways of la and uh, for taking all the, the photographs and uh, and video um and internet and email etc uh, it, it you know i can't i can't see any reason to go to go beyond that at the, at, uh, at the moment and it really served served the job well the the only drawback um I went to visit at the California Science Center in LA. They've got the Space Shuttle Endeavour oh, okay. in a big in a big hall, but I couldn't get back far enough to get a picture of it all in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I would have loved to have had a wide screen, um, a wide angle lens uh, yeah. on the camera, which obviously some some uh, top range handsets uh, have now, uh, and that would have just been icing on the cake. So I had to take the endeavor in in two two shots uh, to to get it all in. But um, yeah, terrific, terrifically powerful phone and and kind of future proofed with all that storage uh, uh, on board as well. Yeah, the Note Nine has always been uh, pretty intriguing to me. The the one thing about it for me is the the size of it. Um, and I I think you've used uh, bigger phones in the past. You kind of, if I remember correctly, you are kind of a front shirt pocket. <laughs> is that where you usually keep it is. your device? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, the the big phone thing for me is honestly kind of. Uh, it kind of doesn't make any sense because I don't really go many places, you know, so I'm not really taking it around. But uh, either way, the Note 9 uh, is still, I think it'll always remain on my list uh, just because it does tick so many boxes. Uh, How was the battery life getting around with navigation and stuff Ah. like that? Did you have it plugged in uh, in the car or anything like that? That, That's a good good point. What, What I got for both phones was one of these battery cases. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, as I say, working from home, I plug in whenever I want. But when you're on holiday and you leave the motel at uh, you know nine in the morning and you might not be back for twelve hours, right, you right. want to you want to be guaranteed it's it's going to work. And yeah, you you could plug it into the car. Although sometimes these connections are hit and miss, uh, the, yeah. the the phone can be a bit fussy. <laughs> um, right. So I, I got battery cases for each one, and that guaranteed you know it would last all day and all night. Um, but it does add bulk <laughs> uh, right. to to the handset. You know, the, the handset seems three times the thickness with, right. with a you know a really boxy uh, black uh, case on it. So yeah. aesthetic aesthetically, it looks awful. Uh, right, but right. from a practical point of view, it gets you through the day, and you have no worries that you're going to the battery's going to die. 
Yeah, that's uh, actually when I went to Portland this last summer, I did, uh, I was still using my uh, LG G6 as my, my main device and mm-hmm. uh, had the a battery case with me. And I, I don't think I'll travel anywhere without one in, uh, in the future, unless the phone itself, you know, has a giant battery. But uh, even then, uh, the, the processing power usually, uh, I think there's a reason they have to put a bigger one uh, in there to get through the day kind of a thing. Um, but mm. yeah, I definitely am on board with the the battery case because when I was in Portland, uh, I kept the phone out of it most of the day and just kind of took it along with us in our yep. carry yep. our little backpack. And uh, when the, the battery is getting low, I just, you know, throw it on and you can still, you know, continue to use the device, which is really the biggest uh the biggest uh, positive point of having those is that you don't have to stop and wait, you know, while it's plugged in or, or sitting on a cheap right. charger or something like that. You know, you can continue to take photos and go about your day and, and, and never slow down. But yeah, the, like I said, battery case, I, I honestly don't know if I'll get another phone unless it has a battery case option, which, you know, most flagships do, but uh, it's not always a given, you know, on uh on other devices, especially budget and low end and stuff like that, they don't usually offer, you know, the accessories aren't as uh, abundant, I guess. So. One, one of the things I find though, and it's happened uh, on more than one occasion is that I, I put um, on, on the Note 9, I've got a, a, a glass screen protector on it, which of course has to be a bit curved at the edges right, <laughs> uh, right. f- for that series. And whenever I've used the battery case, um, cracks develop in the, the screen protector. And I think it's something to do with the stress being put on it when you're popping the phone into the case, that it somehow doesn't okay. like the squeezing and maneuvering of of getting it into the case. So, you know, again, I've come back with a, a screen protector that's cracked. And right, uh, right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting it down to to the, the pressures of getting it into the case, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, but, I, I, uh, I, I kind of came, would you ever consider not using any sort of screen protector or is it just one of those, uh, well, I, I, I would consider it, uh, you know, um, it, it's something I tend to do automatically if it's a new phone. Okay. Um, but I've, I've already gone through two, if not three glass screen protectors on this Note 9 this year. And okay. it's not it's not because I've dropped the device. It's just obviously some sort of stress on it somewhere along the line. Uh, and these they're only glass, of course, to take the um, to take the forces. And uh, you know, I may now that it's a year old, I may be tempted to uh, to try it without without the protector because yeah. I'm fairly careful with it. But if you carry it in your top pocket, there is the risk it slides out when you bend uh, bend over to do something. So uh, <laughs> right, right. I'd have to be doubly careful. Yeah, for sure. I, I, ha- I do remember reading uh, a lot of reviews for different cases and usually uh, just for, you know, different devices. And um, usually there's a, a lot of people will mention whether it works with a screen protector or not. You know, usually that's a big complaint is for for different cases mm. is that mm. it won't also work uh, when there's a screen protector on it, you know, because it, does the, it doesn't allow for that. And I see that sometimes now in cases, they'll actually put that as a, a feature that it does work with the yes. screen protector, you know, so it's kind of a, mm. I, I imagine it's very difficult with those, uh, 
those curved edge screens yeah. to to make a case that accommodates for that, especially when you're trying to protect that uh, that curved edge as well with the case. Uh, what kind of case do you usually keep it in, or uh, when you're at home, say? Uh, I I just I mean I've got two or three you know just basic um, I don't even know how you describe them. The one on just now is like a uh, a, a black kind of rubbery. Uh, with diamond formations on it, you know it's okay. it's uh, it's reasonably sturdy. Um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be overly frightened if it fell on the on the pavement. Uh, I think that would take the strain, and and the screen protector would probably take most uh, of the impact. But I, I am very careful with the big phone because it is inherently more difficult to hang on to <laughs> uh, right, right. Th- th- than, than a 4.7 inch screen or something. It's uh, something you've really got to, to be careful uh, with. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so on your trip, uh, I can imagine that because the Note 9 has so many <laughs> bells and whistles that it was probably uh probably pretty handy in a lot of situations like the the camera uh, you kind of mentioned the lack of a wide angle but outside of that uh, how did you find the was there a lot of varying different uh, situations that you were in that the camera could handle fairly well yes um, I've got it on the beta version of Android 10 because obviously Samsung are obviously a few months behind Google in getting on to there are many different types of handsets Um but it uh, it's got the the, the night mode, and okay. uh, not that I go out my way to you know take pictures in the dark particularly, uh, right. but it, it handled all sorts of things you know from bright California sunshine in the Hollywood Hills to we, we sat through the Disney no, the, the um, Hollywood Christmas Parade uh, oh, okay. on one cold Sunday evening watching all the marching bands and. Uh, Batmobiles and whatever going, going, <laughs> going down the street, and that that light is reasonable, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it handled that well. Um, so yeah, it it really really copes with with most situations, and uh, takes very smooth uh, smooth video. So uh, it, it's up there, you know, with the the really good cameras. I know it's not any longer the top one. Um, Steve Litchfield's already. Um, given yeah. the Apple iPhone 11 Pro, I think that accolade, but it's you know it is an excellent camera, and uh, they they keep tweaking it, night mode and various other things, and uh, uh, extremely extremely happy with it. And you know my wife, the rest of the family have all got iPhones, and they take pictures, and I take pictures, and they always say when they look the pictures I've got that they look better and if, uh, it, <laughs> yeah. it's some something to do uh, you know with the the amoled screen as well and uh, right, right. the bigger screen etc it's not because i'm you know a photographer uh, <laughs> right i just just point and shoot but uh, they, they're always impressed it looks brighter and more colorful on the samsung than on the on the iphone yeah, I think that's something that I've seen uh, with the limited amount of Samsung exposure that I've had. I even remember back having the Galaxy Nexus, uh, which was a, Sam- a Samsung device, and remember the photos looking particularly <laughs> uh, good, you know, on the uh, on the screen specifically. I believe that one actually had an OLED display on it as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's Samsung definitely knows how to to 
sort of tweak the photo uh, to look incredible uh, on the display specifically. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're, you know, that's uh, kind of where they've gone. And if I'm remembering right, the Note 9 didn't come with any sort of night mode out of the box, right? They, no. they kind of replied that via updates, right? That That's right. Yes. And uh, um, they, they've been, they have been tweaking it and, uh, uh, it's it, it's it's a board that yeah you might find yourself in a low a very low light situation where it it'll be really useful and atmospheric but it it it's not one that I particularly have a have a need to go for um, I could have done with a bit more telephoto power on on uh, uh, okay. some of the when we're on in the hills of Hollywood and you're looking down on the on the basin and, and across the city it would have been nice to have a little bit uh, more oomph or you're taking a picture with a Hollywood sign several miles in the background, it would have been nice to get a bit uh, closer to it. But I think the, the wide angle one would have been the icing on the cake uh, in the uh, in the, the, the example of the, the space shuttle because it's so big and you couldn't get far enough back <laughs> to, right, right. Uh, to Yeah, to I've always been a... Yeah, a big fan of, of wide angle <laughs> cameras mm. just because of that fact. You know, usually... Uh, usually when I'm taking photos, I'm not out in the open, you know, I'm usually indoors or, uh, you know, close, close to whatever the subjects are and the wide angle seems yeah, to always, yeah, uh, yeah kind of win out over that. But uh, uh, I'd see you mentioned too, that you brought your uh, Samsung Gear 60 camera and a selfie stick, but you didn't use them. What's the, <laughs> when you just feel, didn't feel the need for them or. Yeah, it's, it's a niche uh, camera. Um, mm -hmm. I, I picked one up very cheaply and, uh, uh, you know, I've used it a few times, uh, when we went to Venice, it was ideal for taking a picture of us when we were sitting in the, the gondola to have a, a picture all the way around it was just absolutely perfect application for it. Um, but it, you know, it isn't always the case that you can think of what is this going to, to enhance and, right. uh, the only time I think really might have been when we were walking the beaches, uh, the beach trail uh, in Los Angeles. It might have been nice to, to stick the camera on top of the selfie stick and walk for a bit so that you'd have either a video or uh, still uh, still photos of that experience that you've got a 360 degree thing. It's, uh, it's nice to have occasionally when you need it and it's nice to look at it but of course it involves you to get the best out of it you've really got to right. stick the headset into the the gear uh, vr viewer uh, and and get the full you know surround immersed experience but of course just the very act that you've got to go <laughs> to that effort right. uh, just kind of uh, puts you off doing it you know and i think that's uh, that's the problem with uh, uh, the, the VR experience. It is a terrific experience, but people don't really want to have this big headset <laughs> with a phone right. in it attached to their face for very long. Right, and, right. Uh, um, but yeah, recently I was, um, the BBC released for Samsung uh, Gear VR uh, a flight to Berlin, a wartime flight on a Lancaster bomber to Berlin. Um, because a, a BBC commentator did a, a visit uh, during the war and recorded his actual, uh, you know, experience as he went along, and the the BBC put that together with a VR flight inside the bomber, and oh, wow. uh, 
that works very well because it's a very claustrophobic situation and you're you're able to look all the way around and see the you know the the, the bombardier and the the flight crew and all this type of thing and the, and the anti-aircraft uh, shells flying up towards you and right. uh, i think a similar one was done for the apollo 11 mission so it it really works well in those particular circumstances but it's just the fact that you've got to go to the trouble of getting the, the headset out and strap it on and all that kind of thing that just puts you puts you off a little bit. So yeah, I imagine. Yeah. As I say, it's a bit of a niche thing, and uh, it's it's the it's the one thing that would still keep me with Samsung as opposed to going totally over to iPhone. Um, I think iPhone eventually will get rid of the the notch, and perhaps be a little bit more flexible about how you can arrange your home screen <laughs> um, <laughs> right right and uh, i think you know come that day i'd be very tempted to go over to to apple because all the family of iphones i love the apple watch we've got several ipads in the house we've got an apple tv under the tv set and it would be you know sensible just just to go that way but uh, they don't have a a 360 uh, capability and I would I would miss that even though it's just occasionally that I would uh, use it yeah for sure uh, as far as uh, going to Apple uh, that just having this uh, success that I have uh, now and the well I think I had the 4s as well but really the success is kind of my my only modern uh, yeah. iOS device I guess you could say uh, but I, it, it's really hard not to admire the hardware uh, on all of the and and the software as well uh, on those the Apple devices. It's still really very difficult for me to want to put my my SIM card in there and use it day to day. Just I think there's some mental hurdles that I'm trying to hmm. trying to get over. You know, using Windows Phone and Android uh, pretty you know since the the beginning, and so that it's uh, like I said, it, it would be nice to to be able to to switch over to, to an Apple device and app, Apple ecosystem. Cause you're getting a lot of, you know, the best hardware that you can, that you can buy honestly. And uh, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. The, the notch thing. Uh, yeah. It, like, I think I said in the past that I'm going to probably sit out the whole notch <laughs> business. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though recently I did try the uh, LG G8, which has a notch, um, and as much as it's not intrusive, uh, for the most part, uh, it just doesn't feel quite <laughs> doesn't feel quite right. Uh, even Apple, though, you can tell that they're not uh, very proud of the notch. I think because mm-hmm. if you look at any any marketing photo yeah. of an iPhone, that wallpaper they use very Black well background. hides the notch yeah. very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and right. So, and and if yeah. you're if you're sitting watching your TV or you're at the cinema, you know. There, there isn't a notch in the screen, you know. Right, right. <laughs> it's definitely right. not. It's definitely an inferior experience for for watching media, and I, I'm sure eventually it will go. the The other big hang up I had about iPhone was that they wouldn't allow you to change the camera aspect ratio, and uh, okay. uh, and what that meant was you, you've now got these kind of widescreen uh, phones <laughs> with not widescreen pictures in them. So you got yeah. the big black borders, but I see that the the eleven series do allow you to change to sixteen nine or something uh, instead okay. of just having four three. So that's that's coming along, and that's another you know objection I've had being removed uh, as far as me eventually going full time with an iPhone. 
Yeah, for sure. And that's, uh, <laughs> I think that's part of uh, why I always have hesitance towards iOS, uh, not necessarily the hardware, but iOS in general is the, that lack of, uh, I guess, the, the restrictions that mm. they kind of, uh, you know, put on things. And, and like you said, that is loosening up quite a bit these days, maybe at a fairly uh, more, a more quick pace these days. But uh, uh, yeah, it's always been kind of a, a sticking point, I think, and why I haven't really looked too hard at an iOS device. Uh, plus, I, you know, I just like to tinker quite a bit. So yeah. uh, Android and Windows mobile tend to lead, you know, lend to that a little bit more. So uh, one of these days, I'll, I'll use an iPhone as my main device for a little while and see how it goes. Uh, you know. Well, even somebody like Steve Litchfield uh, has, has, yeah. has been converted to accepting that, uh, you know, it's just about there now, the iPhone experience. Yeah. Yeah, and I think him sharing what he has so far is honestly, uh, you know, it's it's helped me to kind of, <laughs> you know, mm. maybe take away a few of the uh, biases, you know, that I have and yes. kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of like to think that I'm open-minded to the, you know, to that and, you know, use whichever operating system you want. And, you know, I am in a, to a certain extent, but to myself, like I said, there's still a few uh, mental hurdles, I think, that I'm, I, I need to get past. And, and Steve's experience is definitely helping to kind of break those down a little bit. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, <laughs> maybe next time we chat, we'll both be using an iPhone. So, you never know. Uh, yeah, you never know. So uh, I don't know if I could, I'll be using a new iPhone. It'll probably be the success that I have <laughs> on hand uh, just price wise. You know, that's always been my other my other thing with uh, Apple mm. is that they, you know, definitely. the always been kind of out of budget for yeah. me so um yeah so it, but yeah we'll we'll see where that goes <laughs> but uh let's see all right so is there anything else we want to cover here uh, the, the only other thing i could think of was uh i took my piece of blue tack with me on oh that's holiday, right that i was looking at which, which i okay. usually do when i go to the states but i didn't use it um it's not to piece together any any of the hardware it's just i found it an excellent way of uh, putting a piece of it on the dashboard putting the the camera phone on it in uh, landscape format making sure it's secure and uh, it was a great way of taking steady uh, moving video when you were driving a car around anywhere of interest. And uh, I've right. used it extensively in the past going through, you know, Yosemite Valley or Death Valley. And uh, and it's it's great. It really works. You don't get any shaking or juddering on the video. But this time I just never got around to doing it. And uh, I must have driven hundreds of miles on the freeway. And it would have been nice uh, just to have had some record of it because, uh, you know, six-lane freeways, and, and, and of course, in your country, you're allowed to pass on either side of the car, which is not, not <laughs> allowed in this country. Um, so it's, right, it's right. quite hairy for uh, a driver, you know, to, uh, to try and get used to that. But, uh, right, yeah, sure. so that, that's the blue tack. I'd recommend it to anybody if they haven't got any more sophisticated device of wanting to have video footage of any scenic, uh, scenic drive that they're on on holiday. Yeah, I'd imagine it's probably pretty easy to take with you as well. Uh, all right, so after you take all of these photos and, and take all of these videos, what do you usually do with it uh, after you get back home? Because uh, I, I know a lot of <laughs> a lot of my photos usually just sit up in the cloud, never to be seen again uh, kind of a thing. So do you have a plan usually for that sort of thing? Uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. Um, 
let's roll back a little bit. I've got in my uh, top shelf of my wardrobe albums of photographs, hundreds, perhaps thousands. I've got trays full of 35 millimeter <laughs> slides, probably thousands okay. of them. And uh, that's the project, you know, for, for retirement is to digitize those. And uh, yeah, okay. I, I know that Paul Thorot, um in the last year got himself a really effective scanner and and did all his collection that he'd always been threatening to do to digitize it. So maybe that's for the future. Yeah. As far as, as photos, yeah, I'm like you. They go up to the cloud. They go up to OneDrive. They go up to Google Photos. I think they go up to Amazon <laughs> uh, <laughs> Photos as well. So, so they're, they're, they're safe. Um, I dip into them, you know, because of the search facility on Google Photos, it's really good at retrieving photos. But I haven't, right. I haven't really got a systematic way of organizing them or sharing them. It's very much on an ad hoc. We'll come back from a trip and my wife will say, oh, could you share those photos with me? And, and, and that's it. But I really ought to um, get, yeah. get much more organized. The, the, do you remember there was a craze a few years ago for those little digitized like uh, picture frames that uh, yes, yeah. you could put an SD card in and put it on your windowsill and it would rotate the yeah. photographs? You know, that, that wasn't a bad idea. Um, what do you, what do you, yeah. are you, are you organized in, in this regard, uh, Steve? Uh, to, no, to a certain extent, like I said, for the most part, they kind of just go up there and sit there. But usually after a trip, uh, I will go say, cause I, I mainly back up to OneDrive, and so I'll create a, a photo album of, you know, it's pretty easy to, to skip through and, and find the dates that you were in whatever location you were in and then sort of add those to an album. Uh, I did this, uh, uh, few years ago, I think 2015, I went, uh, my wife and I went uh, to London. And so we had a whole bunch of photos from from there. And I was, you know, when we got back, I was able to put them all, you know, just basically, you know, check all of the photos from there and say, add to album, London album, you know, that way, at least when I go and sort of look back, uh, I can easily pull up the trip mm -hmm. anyway. But other than that, <laughs> not much organization. Uh, goes on. Uh, in the past, though, I guess, uh, usually I just scroll through. Usually the date is the biggest helper yeah, uh, yeah. as far as jumping to, you know, some something that you want to find. Uh, and, and so I've been able to jump to certain dates and, uh, you know, pull out pictures for, for certain things. But we actually do print them out every once in a while mm -hmm. uh, and have mm -hmm. some photo frames on the wall with those. But it's funny you actually bring up the photo frames because uh, the digital photo frames because I was actually looking recently at, at potentially getting sort of a, a cheap tablet and, mm -hmm. and, you know, sort of setting that up in the same way to sort of dynamically, you know, pull in much like the those Google Home hubs or whatever they do uh, yeah, automatically, yeah, yeah. but uh, with a tablet instead of an actual, you know, hub or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I those, yeah, those digital photo frames, they kind of came and went because I think there was still a major manual process to those. So yeah, I mean, with, with many people having, uh, you know, smart TVs, um, it would probably be not too difficult to rig up something either on a USB stick or a hard drive or something that could feed in to the TV as a, as a kind of personal uh, screensaver so that you could have your, yeah, your, fo your photo idea. collections. And, and of course, that's a lovely, bright, big screen. 
So it might be might be something uh, worth investigating to see. If yeah, the, that is a good idea. Because it, in the old days, you took the pictures and you put them in albums, and the albums went on the shelf. And you you might pull right. them out once a year, once every two years, etc. So there is there is still this issue that the photos are put away, whereas if you had your collection continually rotating on the TV or something. You know that might be a a better way of doing it. So I might I might have to look into yeah. the, the most efficient way of doing that. Yeah, uh, I think uh, actually I'm thinking now uh, another thing that I could do with my Plex server is you can have it uh, auto upload your photos as kind of the same way that all the other yeah. photo services yeah, yeah. do, uh, and so basically having it on your own server, and then uh, you can I I think there might be a way to kind of do that with the Plex server, uh, have that as uh, uh, sort of a rotating slideshow. I'm not sure. I'd have to look into it, but uh, I think that's kind of how I would go about it. At least getting getting the collection, you know, backed up onto mm. my own server, you know, physically on a hard drive in my house, and uh, maybe serving that up somehow to the to the TV, maybe via Roku or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting idea. I think uh, the the TV thing, mm. uh, most yeah, especially because most TVs these days are pretty power efficient, uh, so it's not really you know too much of a drain, yep. I guess, on the efficiency. So, all right, Tom. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the the time out to kind of go over your trip and go over everything that you. Uh, you were using over here in the U.S. Uh, you're welcome here anytime. I, as an ambassador of the U.S., I, I uh, welcome you to come over to the U.S. anytime you want, uh, no matter what's going on uh, over in the EU. So, <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, very much appreciated, uh, Steve. And thank you very much for having me on your podcast again. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anywhere people can find you online that you prefer or... If not, that's fine too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on, I'm on MeWe and I'm on... Twitter, but I'm not a particularly prolific um, producer of content or comments. I prefer just to uh, look at what other people say and just chip in very occasionally. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, Tom, I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I'll talk to you again sometime in the future. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Steve. All right, so let's wrap things up here on episode 96 of the Pixel Swim podcast. Uh, thank you to Tom for having that uh, long chat about uh, our tech journeys here. Uh, so it's always appreciated. I always love having Tom on. So thanks again, Tom. And uh, yeah, if anybody wants to leave any feedback, head over to pixelswim.com. There's a bunch of ways to get in contact. There's a comment section on the show notes page or uh, any social media links are there as well, or you can an email form is there as well. So uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for episode 97, and uh, we'll see where we're at then. So it's always, uh, it's always a journey here. <laughs> but uh, either way, have a great afternoon or evening, or night or day or dusk or dawn, or whatever time of day it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again, and Godspeed. Godspeed.